evening. Today's reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16, which is on the Church Bibles on page 1145. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Joel. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're well. Um, Let's pray together um, as we dig into this portion of God's words. Father, we've just been singing how we gather in reverence and awe. And Father, we pray that those words that we've just sung wouldn't be just words that we've sung, but an attitude that we have now. That we really would come to listen to what you have to say to us. Help us to remember that the words we've just heard, the words that we're looking at now are not merely human words, but they are your words. Um, So help us to be reverent and help us to worship you in light of them. For Jesus' glory we pray, amen. Amen. The one big question that the past few sections of 1 Corinthians has raised for us is this. If it is impossible for humans to understand God's power and wisdom... Why is it then that we do understand it? Well, let me put it this way. Why do you, if you're a Christian, understand the cross? When someone else who has heard just as much, maybe even more, doesn't. Why do Christians, when they look at the cross, they can't help but praise God because they understand what's going on? 
And yet the non-Christian looks at the cross and thinks, foolish. Why? We're going to dive straight into our verses. And here's the one big thing to take away from this evening. If we could put it on the screen, Andy, that'll be helpful. God has revealed his wisdom, as in the cross and and all that Jesus' death has achieved by his spirit. God has revealed his wisdom by his spirit. Let's look at verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Now, automatically, that might come as a bit of a shock to us, and we might be thinking, well, is there some new form of special wisdom that um, Paul says is available for a special class of Christian? And that stands out, doesn't it? Because, well, it just doesn't fit with what we've seen um, so far over the past few weeks. Think back. We've seen that true power and wisdom are found in the weak and foolish-looking message of the cross. And over the past couple of weeks, we've seen that, well, Paul says, well, if you look inside the church you won't find any wisdom. And Paul says, if you listen to his preaching, you won't find any wisdom. So why is it that Paul now says, we do, however, preach, speak a message of wisdom? Well, don't worry. I I think Paul basically is talking about the same thing that he's been talking about all along. He's not talking about a new form of human wisdom. He's continuing to talk about the cross. That's made clear as we read on. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." So we're clear on that. Verse 6, when he says we're talking about a message of wisdom, he's still talking about the cross. But we might have another question. What, what does he mean when he says the word mature? And why does he use that word? Well, it appears that he's using it as a bit of a rebuke to the Corinthians. You see, the Christians in Corinth thought that they were mature. They thought we're all grown up. And yet, if we just take a little peek at verse 1 of chapter 3, then we'll see that Paul describes these Christians as worldly, mere infants in Christ. Now, Paul isn't saying they're not Christians. At the start of the letter, he he describes them as sanctified in Christ Christ Jesus. He, He clearly believes they are saved. But in terms of their behavior, they're behaving like the world's. Spiritually speaking, these Christians are barely out of nappies. They're squabbling and fighting like toddlers do. It's like Paul is saying to them, mature, you lot. Are worldly divisions caused by going after certain leaders really the behavior of those who are mature? If you really were mature, Paul says, then you would grasp the message of the cross And it would shape the way that you were thinking and living. Note, therefore, that Christian maturity is not based on knowledge. Christian maturity is not based on certain gifts. It's based on what you think of the cross. It's based on what you make of the cross, and it always will be, and what you continue to make of the cross. The mature Christian 
is the one who grows in their love for the Lord Jesus, especially because of his death, to save them. Now, as we've gone through these verses, I want to briefly um, show us two comparisons that are made between God's wisdom, the cross, and human wisdom. And the first comparison that Paul gives us is to do with time. Human wisdom is temporary. Human wisdom belongs to this age, Paul writes. It both originates in this world and it ends in this world. Clever people rise, clever people fall. Wise people rise, wise people fall. Human thought and philosophy, well, it comes and it goes and it changes all the time. It's temporary. But compare that, Paul says, to God's wisdom. A mystery, we're told, that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Human wisdom, temporary. God's wisdom, eternal. You see, the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross to save people from sin and judgment was neither an afterthought nor an accident. It was God's plan before time began. Made in eternity past, so that you and I can go through death into eternity future. If you're a Christian believer here this evening, then just consider this. Just consider this. Before time began, God had you in mind. Think of that. Before time began, God had you in mind. And not only that, God had your eternal glory in mind. Isn't that staggering? Before the world's created, God was thinking of you, insert name here, and your eternal glory, and he made it possible through the wisdom of the cross. I don't know about you, but I found that staggering this week to think about. I commend that we think about that this week to be encouraged. God thought about you before time began and planned the wisdom of the cross for your eternal glory. That's the first comparison between human wisdom and God's to do with time. And the second is to do with how we understand it. You see, because human wisdom originates in humans, well, that basically means that with the right education and the right brain power, any person to a certain extent can understand human wisdom. But compare that with God's power, wisdom. You see, because God's wisdom originates with God, well, that means we cannot understand it by ourselves. However wise, however clever we may be, whatever education or background we have, it is impossible. It's a mystery that has been hidden. Now, we, when we hear the words, um, mystery, what do we think of? Well, we tend to think of maybe something like a puzzle that might be difficult but not impossible to understand. Think of the, the murder mystery, for example. Difficult but not impossible. But when the word mystery is used in the Bible, it means something slightly different. It means something that humans cannot understand unless it is revealed to them. The murder mystery we can work out by ourselves, but the mystery that God reveals, we cannot understand it 
unless it is revealed. And that is true of the cross. The rulers of this age, when Jesus lived on earth, even those who hit the nails through his hands and his feet, they didn't understand the cross. It was hidden. People today, even the ones that we might describe as wise and clever, they don't understand the cross. But then the wonderful news of this passage is that God's wisdom is no longer hidden. God, in his wonderful grace and kindness, has made his wisdom known. Verse 9, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Paul here quotes from the book of Isaiah, and he's talking about God's rescue, and he says God's rescue plan is unthinkable to humans. No human being in history would ever come up with the cross, the death of Jesus, to save people from sin and death. No individual human being can look at the events of the cross and understand it. And yet God has revealed his wisdom, and he's done that by the work of his Spirit Now, a little um, tip for us um, for when we're um, reading the Bible, um, especially when we're reading um, New Testament letters, is that we need to try and work out who the pronouns are talking about. And so verse 10, it says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. And in one sense, verse 10 is true of every single Christian. And we'll come back to this a bit later on in the sermon. But the immediate context of these verses shows us that at this point, Paul is using the word us to talk about the apostles. And if we could have the next um, slide up, that would be really helpful. So I just wanted to make this um, uber clear for us. God has revealed his wisdom by his spirit first to the apostles. In the first instant, it was the apostles who understood the wisdom of the cross But of course, it's not just the apostles, because if we're a Christian, then we understand the cross too. And so let's have, Andy, please, the next slide up so you can put, um, and then to us, first to the apostles, and then to us. And as we look through the rest of the verses, we're going to see four steps to see how this has happened Now, these steps, these titles, um, I didn't make them up. They're they're not original to me. I've taken them from um, a very helpful book on 1 Corinthians. So we're going to go through four steps to see how it is that God has revealed his wisdom first to the apostles and then to us. And the first step is this. The Spirit knows. That's step one. The Spirit knows. From the little paragraph break, halfway through verse 10, the Spirit searches all things even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one who... Sorry, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So question, what am I thinking right now? Interactive, if you want it to be. What am I thinking right now? Pizza. God. 
my, my, my brain does function more than just pizza, golden trains. Come on, people. The point is you don't know, right? You could have as many guesses as you want to. I'm not thinking of trains. And the point is you don't know. You don't know what I'm thinking about. And likewise, no one knows what you're thinking about. And maybe that's for the better, I don't know. But the point is that only the mind or the spirit of the person knows what they are thinking. I alone know what I'm thinking. You alone know what you are thinking. And Paul says the same is true of God's. No amount of knowledge or human wisdom can help us to know what God thinks. No one knows. No one, that is, except the Spirit. The Spirit is himself distinct from the Father, and yet he is fully God. He shares the divine nature, and so he knows God's thoughts. The Spirit knows. That's the first step. Now, of course, not only do I know what I was thinking, but I can also speak. I can reveal what I was thinking. Dinosaur on rollerblades, in case you were wondering. (laughs) And according to Paul, that is also what the Spirit does. The Spirit doesn't only know, but the Spirit reveals. That's the second step. Verse 12, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Now, again, let's be careful with the pronouns. It is true, of course, that all Christians have the Spirit. But again, Paul seems to be, in the first original context, speaking about the apostles. On their own, the apostles looked at the cross and they saw the events, but they couldn't understand it. And yet, through the work of the Spirit, because they were given special revelation from God, they were able to understand the wisdom of the cross. Paul then was not a religious genius, but a recipient of divine revelation. Not because he deserved it. No, the apostles received the Spirit. It was a gift. And the Spirit helped them to understand what God freely gave them. Step one, the Spirit knows. Step two, the Spirit reveals to the apostles. And step three, the Spirit inspires. Verse 13, still talking about the apostles, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So the apostles did not keep their God-given knowledge of the gospel to themselves, they passed it on. And But notice what Paul says. He says that as they speak, they speak words taught by the Spirit. As in when people heard the apostles preaching and explaining spiritual realities, they weren't just hearing human words. They were hearing the Spirit. They were hearing God himself speaking to them. Now, of course, you and I, we don't have the apostles today, but we do have their words. And so these verses in 1 Corinthians help us to understand what it is we mean when we say that the Bible is the Spirit-inspired Word of God. 
The claim is that as we read the apostles' words, and as they are understood correctly, then we're not just reading human words, but we are actually hearing God himself speak to us by his Spirit. And I just want to pause here for for a few moments and go through a few implications of this. If the Bible is God's Spirit-inspired words, then here are four implications for us. Firstly, necessity. God has revealed himself to the apostles, and so therefore we need their words. They are necessary for us. We need the Bible. Without it, we've got no chance in understanding God's wisdom. Secondly, unity. You see, we might hear people saying that we're not a very spiritual church because we spend most of our time looking at an old book. But if this book contains the Spirit-inspired words, then it is impossible to divide the work of the Spirit from the words. If we want to hear the Spirit speak to us today, we open our Bibles and we must pray. Looking at the Bible is a spiritual activity. We must pray that the Spirit would speak to us as we open his word, that we would listen. Thirdly, finality. If the Spirit has revealed God's words to the apostles and there are no more apostles then we shouldn't be expecting any new revelation from God. We might hear people saying things like this, well, we need to close our Bibles and listen to what God is saying to us today. But God never promises to speak to us outside of his words. If you want to know what God is saying to you today, if we want guidance or help in making decisions, open your Bible. That's how God speaks. And fourthly, authority. You see, if the apostles' words are the Spirit-inspired word of God, then it has to mean that the apostles' words carry authority. One objection that people um, often have to certain topics and to views on certain topics is to say, well, I know Paul says this, but Jesus didn't speak on it, and so therefore it doesn't matter. That's what some people will say. Half the time, Jesus does actually speak on those topics, and we just don't um, really realize it. And, but the point is that even if he didn't, even if Jesus didn't speak about certain things, and Paul did, does then it doesn't matter that Jesus didn't speak on it. Because Paul's words carry authority. The apostles' words carry authority. If we don't like Paul because of what he says, then it's not Paul we're rejecting, but God. If we're ignoring Paul's words, denying Paul's words, twisting Paul's words... We're denying God's words. And therefore, we're not really letting God be God. Saying, therefore, that we like Jesus, but not Paul, 
very dangerous. Rejecting the plain teaching of the Bible is not an insignificant thing at all. It's very serious. The message that the apostles preach is not something that they made up. It's not something they invented, but something revealed to them. Inspired by the Spirit. The Spirit inspires Now, there's lots um, more that we could um, say about what we believe the Bible says about the Bible. And if you want to think about it a bit more, then this book would really help you out. Taking God at His Words. And that'll be a really helpful resource um, for you to get um, a copy of, to look at, and to think more about some of the things that I've just said. We need to move on, though. Step one, the Spirit knows. Step two, the Spirit reveals. Step three, the Spirit inspires. And step four... The Spirit illumines. And what we mean by this is that the Spirit lights up, that the Spirit enlightens us, the Spirit gives us understanding. Where do we get to? Verse 14, I think. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You might have had one of those experiences. Um, maybe you've brought a friend along to an event or you've been looking at a bit of the Bible. You think that they've heard the gospel clearly and simply and yet you turn to them and say, what do you think? And it's clear that it's made no sense to them whatsoever. It's just made no impact. Yeah, great. God came to earth. And you're like, what? How does that not make a difference? And when that happens, we we might think, well, we need some sort of alternative methods. Or maybe we blame ourselves. If only I was a bit more confident, if if only I was a bit more wise in the things that I said. But this verse explains why the non-Christian doesn't understand the gospel. The non-Christian considers the cross of Jesus foolish because without the Spirit... They cannot understand it. Think of it this way. Si yo empieza y hablo en español y tú no entiendes español, entonces tú no tendrás ni idea de lo que yo iba. What I said was this. If I start speaking in Spanish and you don't understand Spanish, then you wouldn't have a clue as to what I was on about. That's the point Paul is making. The person without the Spirit cannot understand the things that come from the Spirit. It's like they're hearing a completely different language that they literally have no idea what's going on about. These things can only be discerned through the Spirit. If you think that you've explained the cross really well, and really clearly and people don't have a clue what you've been on about, don't be surprised. Don't worry. It's not because of what you've said or, or indeed what you failed to say. If you're not yet a Christian and you want to be one, what do you need? Well, you need the Spirit. Why not ask God even now? God, please send my Spirit. I want to understand the wisdom of the cross. Because whilst the person without the Spirit can't understand and discern God's wisdom, the one with the Spirit can. Verse 15, the person with the Spirit 
makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That word judgments in in the start of verse 15 comes from the same root as the word discern. So the person who has the Spirit is able to rightly discern and understand all things. And Paul here must especially be talking about the wisdom of the cross. The comparison, what's the difference between a non-Christian and a Christian? The non-Christian can't understand the cross. The, The Christian can discern all things. And so that must be especially the cross. If we're a Christian, then there was a time in our life where we just didn't get the gospel. And then one day it just clicked. That was the Spirit. Opening our eyes. Illuminating God's Word so that we could understand God's wisdom. God has revealed His wisdom by His Spirit first to the apostles and then to us. How? Because the Spirit knows, the Spirit reveals, the Spirit inspires, and through the Spirit-inspired words, the Spirit has illumined and given us understanding of the cross. And the person with the Spirit is not subject to human judgments. After all, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Answer, no one. The Lord isn't swayed by the way that non-Christians view the cross. The Lord isn't swayed by the way that non-Christians think about those who accept the cross. And neither should we. As in, don't let the non-Christian who doesn't understand the cross impact what you understand of the cross. Don't let the non-Christian who won't and can't understand the cross judge you for your view of the cross expect their judgments, but they can't because they don't understand the cross. No one knows the mind of the Lord, but we have the mind of Christ. The Christian can understand the world from from Christ's perspective because God has revealed and given us an understanding of the cross by His Spirit. And so as we head to a close These verses are really helpful because, well, they give us clarity as to what makes someone a spiritual person. As we go through this letter, we'll see more and more evidence that Christ Church Corinth was a church that liked to think of themselves as being really spiritual. Spiritual because they followed certain leaders, because they embraced some of the local philosophies, because they had certain gifts. And Christians today can think that they are spiritual for the same reason. I'm spiritual because I have certain gifts. I'm, I'm spiritual because I go to a, a church where the music's really moving. I'm spiritual because I can understand an intellectual talk given by a wise person. And of course, that can be hugely problematic. If you think other Christians are more spiritual than you, well, it could leave you feeling worried and anxious. Potentially even asking, am I really a Christian? 
If you think that others are less spiritual than you, and that was the situation in Corinth, well, it could lead to pride and arrogance as you look down on them. And so, of course, the solution to that problem that these verses give us is to show us that the true measure of spirituality is whether you understand the cross. Early doors, up front in this letter, Paul wants to show the Corinthians and us that we are indeed spiritual. But not because of gifts, but not because of music, not because of our own understanding. We're spiritual if we understand the cross. That is the evidence of the Spirit's work. And remember, the only reason why we understand the cross is because God has revealed it to you. And that's why I take it that the big implication from this evening has to be humility that then leads to praise. I said at the start that the big question the past few weeks has raised is this. If God's power and wisdom are impossible to understand, why is it then that we do understand? Why do you understand the cross when someone else who's heard just as much about it doesn't? Not because we've worked it out. Not because we've calculated it. Not because we're better people. Not because we deserve it, but because God graciously decided to reveal it to you. It's the only answer. Christchurch Corinth was a very puffed up and proud church. What's going to prevent us from being puffed up and proud? by remembering that the only reason you understand the cross and the only reason that I understand the cross is because of God. Because God has revealed it to us. Humility, therefore, that leads us to praising God, that he has been incredibly, incredibly, incredibly kind in choosing to reveal his wisdom to us by his spirit. Let's praise him as we pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your eternal wisdom, the wisdom of the cross planned in eternity past, revealed to the apostles and then to us. Father, you've been so kind. Thank you for showing us that we can't understand your wisdom unless you reveal it to us. So we praise you so much that you have revealed it to us. Thank you for your spirit's work in opening our blind eyes to the gospel. Father, we pray that you would humble us by these verses as we remember that we only understand the cross because of you and therefore would it lead to us living a life of praise and worship until we meet you 
face to face. Amen.